And welcome back, everybody, to another Shays Bippy Mod Pod. Yes, the podcast you can't refuse. I am Thomas Murphy, of course, here with my my partner in 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 crime debate, <laughs> Mike Diabate. <laughs> How we doing, Mike? It's going great, Murph. Uh, definitely uh, a pleasure to be uh, joining you on, on Easter week to discuss some Eastern promises. Uh, yeah. I, I love the alliteration that we tried to work in, and I owe that all to you, my friend. This was a very, very good suggestion, um, a movie that I don't think got nearly uh, the credit that it deserves. And um, you mentioned a little something in your uh, uh, your, uh, your tweet uh, uh, last night about uh, Vigo being robbed for an Oscar, and you know, I, I have seen this movie a couple of times and going back into it, I have to tend to agree with you. And we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, just, uh, um, you know, kind of a pleasant surprise uh, in terms of uh, the movies that we've been doing and bringing this in. This is uh, this this is a good one. It really is. And, and you know, Mike and I like to the mob genre. It, when when we think about it here in the States, we 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 always go towards a specific um idea uh, of what a mob flick is um whether it's a um an irish mafia movie an italian mafia movie um organized crime is um rampant throughout the world there isn't a um a uh ethnic group that you could you know exclude from this there's chinese mafia there's uh japanese the yakuza there's of course the the typical mafia families there's the um the irish mob um and and today we're in eastern promises we're diving deep into the 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 seedy disgusting underbelly that is the russian mafia and um and it's it's a fantastic movie if you haven't seen it please go and check it out. David Cronenberg um, doesn't just dip his toe into crime here. Um, he, he probably did that um, a little bit earlier with, uh, oh, what was the name? Now I'm at a complete loss because I don't have my notes up. And um, and uh, with, uh, what was that? What was that damn movie? Um A History of Violence. There we go. Thank you very much, Notes. Uh, a History of Violence, which also uh, had Viggo Mortensen in it, uh, a, a fine movie on its own. But he gets really deep into this one, doesn't he? After, you know, not being somebody that, that you would think would would be drawn into this world. Uh, David Cronenberg got his, his start doing low-budget horror flicks. Um, at the beginning of his career, you you remember him from, you know, Shivers and Videodrome, The Dead Zone, uh, The Fly, um, movies of that. And then, you know, he came in with A History of Violence in 2005 and then back here to Eastern Promises in 2007. And as I said, this is the, the has to be hands down, in my, my opinion, the... Uh, Viggo Mortensen's pinnacle of of his power as an actor, uh, as to what he does, uh, the the way he envelops a character. I didn't even recognize him when I first saw this movie. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it it really is a testament to actors' dedications to a certain role. And, I mean, you hear yeah. about these things all the time. You know, so much is made of, you know, some of the actors, even actors we've discussed on this, you know, podcast, such as Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, how they right. intend to immerse themselves into the character that they're playing. Christian Bale is another one that has a reputation of doing that in his roles with the fighter and some of the other roles that he's done in terms of completely immersing himself going back and doing some research on this and you know I started to really think about you know dedication to craft and really being in love with what you do for a living and you know I mean it's no secret that Murph and I you know are uh, you know this is a, a, a labor of love for us when we do podcasts such as these um, you know we also you know foray into the world of sports journalism and you know I know you along with myself we're watching a lot of films these days on players that are ready to be drafted and trying to choose and think about what you know needs to be done and over the weekend I was watching a lot of draft film and I kept thinking to myself oh, I don't really want to watch this anymore do I have have to watch another combine video or anything like that but I thought about you know the dedication to my craft and trying to make my predictions yep. the best they possibly could be when I looked and I actually saw an interview with Viggo Mortensen on this very uh, you know movie regarding this movie in terms of what he had to do to get ready to prepare for this role Vigo traveled alone to Moscow and St. Petersburg and even the Ural Mountain region of Siberia prior to, to filming this. He spent five days driving around without a translator at all, um, just immersing himself into this culture that really was such a big part of the role that he played. He read books on the gangs of the Russian thieves in law. Um, he just, he went in the discovered firsthand Russian prison culture and the importance of the prison tattoos as criminal resumes and how these guys right. use these tattoos in order to let people know what they've done. As a matter of fact, there's actually a funny uh, story right after they finished wrapping this movie. He wanted to see the reaction of going into a Russian bar without washing, and he had the tattoos still on him that would, you know, that were the, you know, obviously the makeup tattoos from, wow. you know, from his. Uh, uh, he went in, and there were actually people in there that looked at him with, he says, a look of fear that he'll never be able to get out of his head. Um, and people saw that, and they saw the tattoos, and they saw, and they knew exactly what it meant. Um, these types of things, where you know, his Siberian get a man was killed. amazing. Exactly. Absolutely. And, you know, and he knew that full well going in and yep. he did it anyway. And just to keep himself, and this is after the, the, the production had wrapped, to keep himself in that mind frame to discover and really let himself know what he had to do to get into this role. His mm -hmm. Siberian accent in this was excellent. He learned the lines in Russian all by ear. Um, he actually learned Ukrainian dialect as well. Um, he used worry beads. Uh, worry bead for those of you that uh, that don't know, they're sort of very similar to like what you know rosary beads are to Catholics right. and stuff like that. It's basically yeah. a exactly they're they're prayer beads, but you know the Russian mob uses them a little bit different than the Catholics use the rosary beads. Yeah. Well, some anyway, um, but. Um, you know, he used them, and these were made in Russian prisons from melted-down plastic cigarette lighters. Uh, you know, he decorated his trailer with copies of Russian icons to get himself into that mindset. I thought about that type of craft, and I said, you know what? Maybe sitting here having to watch a couple of YouTube videos on Combine is not so bad compared to no. what these guys do. <laughs> uh, really, really hats off to Viggo Mortensen um, on this. Uh, and you mentioned uh, David Cronenberg. I mean, the, you know, the attention to detail in this film was so amazing amazing. Cronenberg mm -hmm. had even said very shortly after I watched that video on uh, Vigo, 
I watched uh, an interview with Cronenberg, and he had said that one of the things that drew him to a movie like this was he had read an article once about this Russian thieves-in-law organized crime uh, uh, syndicate that was the focal point of this movie. And Cronenberg discovered that the members of this organization typically prefer to use knives instead of guns and if you take a look in the uh, in the film it's very accurate to that yep. uh, these guys are these guys are knife users they're not gun users and the reason being is that if they were ever caught and questioned as to why they were in possession of the weapons they believed that they were they, and they were trained to do this. They were trained to evade suspicion by claiming that the knives were simply linoleum cutting knives, that these guys right. were linoleum cutters. And that explained some of the scarring on their hands and whatnot, because when you cut a you know hard substance such as like a linoleum or a congoleum, you're going to get cuts, you're going to get bruises, you're going to get things over there. And it almost lent itself into that type of a world. And Cronenberg was so... Um, taken with that and he was so intrigued by that because it sounded like such a simple thing that you know normally people would look at that and go oh yeah right yeah that's going to work that's really going to be a, a normal alibi or a believable mm -hmm. alibi but it worked for these guys and he was so taken by that that he really wanted to do some more research and that's what got him into a film like this and I know we'll get into the plot we'll break that down a little bit but those were the two things doing research on this film and watching it over again that really stood out to me this time and I was like wow that attention to detail is why this film was so great. It really is that, you know, the dedication that they put into it, the, uh, when, when you walk into um, the restaurant for the first time and, and you see the detail of, of that old Russian feel to it, uh, you could sh you could actually sh uh, smell the borscht that was that was cooking yeah. <laughs> in, in that restaurant. Um, the way they they disposed of a body, it was it was um, very. And, and again, we'll get into that. Um, was was very Russian esque in in its um, entirety about how that went went down. Um, it, it, it was it was a brilliantly um, researched movie um, by a bunch of dedicated actors, really actors actors, right at the top mm -hmm. of this um, of of this cast. Uh, we mentioned Vigo, Naomi Watts was brilliant in this movie. Right. Whoever, did, whoever was the casting director, we don't get into this a lot, folks, but you know the, the casting director really hit it on the head with every single person that they that they put in front of um, of the camera for this this movie. Naomi Watts, Armin Mueller, Stahl, Sinead Cusack, no relation to John, um, Jerry uh, Skominski. <laughs> Uh, it, it was it was fantastic, it, it, and and then it, it blends in from you know the the main cast to to the others. Sarah uh, Sarah Jean Lebros who who played the mm -hmm. the young girl at the beginning that we're we're just about yeah. to talk about. Tatiana, it, it was yeah. it was fantastic. Um, Tatiana, thank you. And um, I mean right down to you know unfortunately what this movie is about. Uh, when you get get down into the credits. And you read prostitute number one, prostitute number two, prostitute yeah. number three, because um, the 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 seedy part of of this crime family is is uh, pulling back the curtain on on what is a real problem in the throughout the world right now, and and most of the problem comes from Eastern European countries, and that is uh, human trafficking, isn't it, bud? 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know the 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 seedy underbelly, like you said, and I love that term that you used to <laughs> to uh, yeah. to describe that because it really, really is. I mean, you take a look at you know the the underbelly of any type of organized crime unit. There's mm-hmm. always a, another layer under that that's uglier, that's dirtier. Right. And I think those one of the reasons why movies like Martin Scorsese's films, such as Goodfellas and Casino, and you know even The Departed that we chronicled the last time, I think one of the reasons why they resonate so deeply um, with um, audiences is that they cater to that dark side that we yep. may not have seen in a masterpiece like The Godfather and you know you know that movie is like a religious experience to me so right. I would never say anything bad about The Godfather but if but there's you one criticism see, you that that movie see, does have it in, was a romanticism in, films, in, in right. a way in, yeah. in, in those Where movies it, we, we didn't see the, the, the fact that these are everyday people they're everyday people. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. It, absolutely. It's a restaurant owner. It, it's a barber shop owner. It's a, you don't see the everyday life that they do when we when we jump into movies like The Godfather. You you don't see the the day to day front that they put on, um, which which Armin Mueller Stahl is brilliant at when he first when he first meets um, Anna Naomi Watts when she walks right. into his restaurant he he is very inviting he is you know what this is my restaurant and this is my son and you know that that facade that the rest of the world sees and until you pull back that curtain and see the people that are behind it um and, and that's where Cronenberg is is brilliant because these are this is more of a character study of people that live in a crime world than the crime mm-hmm. world itself, and and that was right. that was brilliant, and and Cronenberg yeah. announced that this was his movie from the opening. the The opening of this movie is is two parts. We see a a throat slashing. You know, we brought mm-hmm. up the, the fact that you know this yeah. is what these people like to do. They like to you know use a knife, and in in this instance, it happens in a barber shop, and it is done with a barber's razor, and um. And then we cut, it, it just it completely sets the tone for the entire film. And then that kind of, that story gets pushed back a little bit into the background, uh, but it's still there as we go into, and Tatiana walks into a pharmacy and she is uh, hemorrhaging. She's a young pregnant girl and she's hem- mm-hmm. she hemorrhages on the floor and gets taken to the hospital where she has her baby and that's where Naomi Watts walks into the movie and she just wants to protect this little child. Uh, she finds a diary that young Tatiana, who is a 14 year old prostitute that was brought here from the Ukraine and, you know, is strung out on heroin, um, and forced to, uh, to prostitute herself. And, and Naomi Watts is, is, Hell bent on finding this child's family, so it doesn't get put into the system. Yep, absolutely. And you know, I think at at that point, you know, we see and you mentioned the diary, and you mentioned uh, you know, it's it's Christmas Day, and you know, and uh, um, and her yep. and um, uh, Anna's mother, Helen, who's played by Sinead, C- uh, you know, Sinead Cusack. You had mentioned her before. No, you know, no relation to John or Joan, by the way. Nope. Um, and she also lives with her uncle, uh, Stefan, who is um, 
you know, you mentioned uh, Skorlinski earlier, and what a, an amazing part, you know, uh, you know, he plays in this as yeah. well. And on, Christ- on Christmas Day, Kellen wakes up Anna for breakfast, and Stefan is reading the um, uh, the, the diary in, in the dining room. And, you know, she obviously says, like you had just said, that, you know, she got it off of the, you know, the girl who had died. And, you know, she wants him to translate the diary. I remember, you know, that, that you know, that scene. And, you know, it's they accuse stealing from the dead. And you see right. the, the dichotomy here in terms of what, you know, the the family, you know, believes as as opposed to getting into the that seedy underbelly, like you had said. But um, we first get a glimpse of Viggo Mortensen as Nikolai. Um, and um, and uh, and Kirill, uh, who is uh, Vincent Castle, who plays a great part in this as well. Um, you see Anna riding her motorcycle to the restaurant. Uh, she parks in front. Uh, Nikolai and Krill are walking through the alley. They're joking around, and then they see Anna securing her, you know, her uh, her motorcycle. And you know, they kind of they they kind of eye her, you know, up and down and and whatever. And a beautiful you know, and tool, Krill orders. Yeah, a yeah. <laughs> beautiful tool for um, Cronenberg to let her use to see that this is a, a strong, independent woman without throwing exactly. it in your face in some way, shape, right. or form. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and then, and then you hear, uh, you see, you hear, uh, uh Kirill order, uh, you know, Nikolai to get Azim and his wife. And we saw, you know, uh, you know, Azim, uh, um, you know, early uh, Mina Mina at uh, the uh, the barber shop. Uh, you saw that in the opening scene where you did see the you know the throat slit that you had uh, you know alluded to. And at this point, you know, Kirill says to get Azim and his wife and bring them to the restaurant. So Nikolai drives off, and Kirill enters the restaurant. Um, Anna comes in, and Simone, who is played by Armin Mueller-Stahl, who I think has one of the scene-stealing and movie-stealing performances in this film. I thought he was brilliant. Right. Um, and that's also, we find out, Kirill's father. <laughs> and, you know, there's, I think there's some great back and forth between these two characters that you see. And you see Anna introduce, uh, he tells her that the restaurant is obviously closed, but she said she's a midwife and she wants to speak to him about Tatiana. And after she tells him Tatiana's last name, that's when he relents and lets her in and knows that she probably knows a little bit more than she should. And this Mm -hmm. is someone that he really needs to listen to at this point. And I think it leads to a good plot development here uh, between these two characters. Yeah, it really does. Um, She had found a a business card that had the uh, restaurant's name on it. And that's what brought her to the restaurant and stall immediately tries to put her at ease. He he immediately tries to be grandfatherly and get to know as much about Anna as he possibly could. He he knew who she was there to talk about as soon as she had mentioned the last name because quite honestly, um as Vigo said later to her in 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 you know, just a few minutes earlier, later I mean uh, that you know, well, I know a lot of Tatiana's. <laughs> but when <laughs> when when Stahl had heard the last name, he knew who she was talking about. He he knew exactly what was happening, and he had to take control of this situation as quickly as possible. Um, and and he needed information as to how much Naomi knew, how much Anna, I'm sorry, Anna knew, and and how it was going to affect his life. And at this point in time, we are still probably looking at his son, Kirill, and that's the other that's the other brilliant thing of this movie. 
is the fact that Cronenberg gives away no part of the plot. Um, no twist or turn is is not a surprise in this movie. Um, from w when we talk a little bit more about Vigo, we'll get into that. When now we're talking about you know the father and the son's dynamic. Um, at, at this point, we think that he's he's probably still trying to protect his son. And that's really not the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really not the case. Absolutely. No, it really isn't. And, you know, it really, I think it lends itself into, you know, the, the, the realizations that you come to as the movie goes on. And I think that's a great point about him not giving away the plot and Cronenberg right. really doing a great job of letting the characters tell their own story, not necessarily trying to, we see that so often in movies and in a lot of mob movies as well. I think we saw that a lot in uh, the Departed, which we chronicled the last time we were on the Shape of the right. Pod, where it was so smattered with symbolism, and there were so many like little hints and clues and things that were trying to, you know, give away make, not necessarily give away the plot, but clue the audience in as to exactly what direction these things were going into. Exactly, we really had none of that. We we talked really about had none we, of that. It, no, yeah. we we talked about yeah. about the fact that they were that they were the the two main characters in that movie were were polar opposites, and the fact that you know we knew that um that one was a cop who was pretending to, one was a bad guy who was pretending to be a cop and one was a cop pretending to be a bad guy that was not given away in this you know to give away our our review here but that was not given away in this film in any way shape or form when at right. you know at the end when it come, when we find out um i i'm sorry if i'm stepping on your notes here bud but at the end when no, we, no, we no, find no, out not. that that <laughs> plot turn you did not see that coming. I did right. not see that coming. I don't know how many times I've sat in a movie theater or in my home and watched a movie for the first time and yet, yep, saw that coming. I did not see this plot twist coming. Yeah, I don't think anybody did. And one of the reasons why I think this movie resonates so well, again, is because of that, the realism that showed throughout the movie. You mentioned earlier, these are, you know, these are, people these are ordinary people I, even in something as simple as the scene that we were just talking about where you know where um where uh you know simon is is going you know back and forth with anna and they're talking about what happened and you know he makes her taste the food and you know it's something yeah. like well and he and he makes a quip about it too it's like well you know maybe she ate here once and she liked the food and that's why she's got that old card and you know well, here mm -hmm. why don't you taste yeah, taste for yourself it's like there's still a pride in in that you know that uh, that that's something that means a lot to them like yeah, yeah these people are you know a part of the cd underworld but there's still a normalcy to what they do on a day-to-day -day basis whereas exactly. in a lot of mob in a lot of mob films you have a tendency to believe like nobody ever thought the corleones were anything but what they were they were right. the royal family of the new york mafia there was no question about it even to a certain extent goodfellas you see you right know, um there you, you know, Henry, you, knew, Henry you Hill, knew that they. You know, everybody you know, knew what happened at that cab yeah. stand. You know, oh, absolutely. Yep. You know that was yeah, that definitely. was that was the basis. There, it was so in your face, it's unreal. Okay, but in the, right. here, it is very important for this family and these people to come off as your average, everyday, normal immigrant that has has left Russia to come to, um, in in this case, England and and live a normal life it is very important you know i am a restaurateur this is who i am i am the grandfather who you know um who sh 
shows his his grandchildren the proper way to to get their violin to sing and to cry you know it, that's that's a very part a very big part of who he is and you know who other people in this movie are with the exception of his you know his son for you know lack of a better reason and Vigo who we talked about, um, you know, he, I'm just the driver. He, he is you, the tattoos that we talked about are always covered up, um, right. unless you know, unless they are at the steam room. Um, it, it is not something that is on display. It is something that uh, tells a story that he doesn't want anybody to see outside of that CD underbelly that we've been talking about already. He's not looking right. at to put fear into the lives of anyone until he absolutely has to. Until then, he is just the driver. Uh, Simone is is just the um, is the restaurateur, and that's important to them. Right, absolutely, and it is. It definitely is important to them, and you see that a lot in the Nikolai character as well, which you said the tattoos are always covered up. They're not a situation where they're looking to draw attention to themselves. If anything, these guys want to stay as much off of the radar as possible. And that's right. something that I think is so, you know, lost. And one of the things that was so, I, I don't want to say refreshing about seeing a movie like this, but it was really, I think, satisfying about seeing a movie like this is you saw a realism in these characters that you never see. And I think mm -hmm. examining those characters a little bit better makes you realize why they're in the type of lifestyle that they're in you know you almost get you know the feeling with a lot of you know then you know we started off the shape of the mod pod with a bronx tale and we said the saddest thing in yep. life is wasted talent and you looked at a guy like Sonny who was charismatic he was you know he was he was you know intelligent he liked people he was you know maybe not you know book smart but he had street smarts and wisdom you know that were uh, yep. really beyond his his years you almost got the impression that you know, and we even saw it in, in the uh, um, in last week's uh, episode too of uh, the, uh, the the Departed, where you look at these figures and you're like, why are they in the type of lifestyle that they're in? Is it just laziness? Is it just this? But they were capable of so much more. You get right. the impression from these characters that they're in this simply because there's really no other place for them to go. And I think exactly. That's something that, um, you know, I thought Cronenberg did a, an amazing job of of being able to. Um, the character structure, even it, it, exactly, even it's deeper. It's deeper is, than a crime yeah. flick. It's deeper than a than a than a than a mob movie. It, it, it it's you know we learn we learn that that uh, Nikolai Vigo, you know from from the time he was fifteen years old, had been in and out of prison. Um, yeah. As opposed to Vincent, who was you know later in the movie, um, we, we talked about the tattoos. When Vigo is is offered his stars, and that's how you you are identified as a mobster, uh, right. being in the Russian mob. That these these tattoos tell you your life story. Um, Kirill points out that that his were a birthmark. You know, he was made. He was he was he was born into this family, the way it was. Right. Vigo, it, it was a progression. There was no other choice for him in life whatsoever except uh, a life of crime and that's probably right. the way um simone had, had grown up when he was in russia he makes a comment later you know he can't go back to russia because the kgb will be there waiting for him um yeah 
when Stefan is first reading the diary, he, he you know, the, the look of fear and dread, just to, to go back a little bit, telling his, his granddaughter, these are not the people that you want to be around. He knows sure. what these people are. Um, Helen doesn't. Uh, Anna doesn't. He knows that, you know, when the shirt sleeves are rolled up, the tattoos are there. When the shirt when yeah. when the the shirt comes off, the tattoos are there. When the pants mm -hmm. come down, the tattoos are there. Um, and, and these are very vicious, violent people. And um, it, it was yeah. just brilliant the way Cronenberg moved this story along, and um, and and showed the two faces of this crime family. Yeah, and you you mentioned you know the the tattoos were there the 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 violence and the the nature of these people. Um, yeah. One scene that I know stands out with everyone when they see this movie is when they dispose of Soika's body, who was the man that had his you know throat slit obviously at the beginning of the movie. Right. You look at this and you know and and Nikolai, you know just kind of you know gets them you know he he gets them out of there he he gets you know azim and, yep. and and krill you know out of here because it's it's about to get nasty when they have to do what they do to the body and you see him cut off the fingers and, and it's take just off, another you know, day and, of work and, and for him remove, exactly and remove the teeth and it's like you know at that point you're sitting there and you're you're thinking about it and you're like well it actually makes a lot of sense it's it's you know, it's horrifying to think about yeah. what he's doing to this body. And it's but, something that know, they've and, never seen before. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's, you know, prevent the body from being identified. You know, what's the best mm -hmm. way to do that? Well, you can't do, you know, obviously you can't, you know, identify fingerprints. You can't identify dental records. So that, that yep. has to be, you know, the, the first thing. And this is something that just comes very, very naturally to him. And, you know, it, it's that type of character study and that type of, you know, that, that type of inherent evil that you see in a character yep. that he just is, flips his tie back as he starts to go to work. Absolutely. And you see elements of, and we've talked about this, and this is a very common theme on all of our podcasts where you talk about decent people doing indecent things or indecent yep. people doing decent things. You see this in all of these characters in this movie. And it really is amazing. And, you know, right. you mentioned Helen and Anna, obviously, you know, there's not, you know, that, that element of, you know, of, of, of CD destruction, but there is, you know, a, a catering to that in every character that you see in this movie. It, it, there really is. It, it's, it's a movie that I hadn't seen for a very long time and I actually forgot how much I loved and um, yeah, it, it, it's it's something that that anybody who is who who loves this 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 genre of film to really take a look at because there's there's more to it than than what a lot of people um, consider a a mob movie or a crime family and it it, it really is it, people doing. Decent and indecent things. Decent people doing indecent things. Um, indecent people doing decent things. Um, it, it, that that comes up later, because um, you know Simone, the the head of the family, played by Armin Mueller-Stahl, realizes that uh, Stefan, Anna's uncle, had read the diary and he had translated the diary, and at that point he orders Vigo to get rid of him. Um, yes. You no. Know, in 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 some uncertain terms, he he makes sure that he understands him. See, right now, Vigo has gotten 
Kirill is is basically um, I don't want to say a disappointment, but he is not the the son that Simone um, hoped for. He's he has a drinking problem. He may be homosexual. We're not sure, um, but it, that's something that is just like totally taboo to a seventy five year old Russian man. That's you know that you know grew up behind the Iron Curtain, um, and he orders him to get rid of him. Um, Vigo gets rid of him in his own way. He, 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 we, we think that, that he's, he, he goes to his apartment because he's missing. Uh, he turns up missing and we see that Vigo had gone to his apartment shortly after he had gone in and then he went, went missing and it was, he, he sent him away with, with a, a pile of money and a ticket to Edinburgh to just get mm-hmm. him out of town and, and not do what he wanted him to do. And we didn't, we didn't know this at the time. We find it out later after Vigo is, is in the hospital. I'm sure we'll, we'll bring that up in one of the greatest fight scenes in, in history and kind of really disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of disturbing. It really is. It's, yeah. it, it's it, probably it, the most uncomfortable scene I've ever watched in, in, in movies. And that's saying right. a lot considering, you know, some of the, uh, the, uh, the, the, graphic nature of, of some of the movies that we're going to chronicle and yet to chronicle here on the shape of the mob pod. And then, you know, and a lot of them, you, you see that, but this is an unnerving scene and it is, I think it was brilliantly um, choreographed uh, done in terms of choreographed. I think it was brilliantly choreographed. First of all, they use the actors, not stunt doubles to choreograph this scene. And I think yep. that was something that Cronenberg uh, was really, really, um, I believe was uh you know right on the money in terms of uh, of doing because it gave it a realism uh, mm-hmm. i think that if this was a little more rehearsed i think it would have lost some of its authenticity and I, you know I there agree. is i'm sorry go ahead yep. and, and it, it just goes to it goes to show you that the, the love that he still has for his son and Cassiel. um vigo is, is brought into the family he's he's become as i said you know he he he's not really you know Kirill is not the son that he always wanted, but he's still his son. Um, right. And his son, they, the man that he killed in, had killed in the first, the opening scene here, has family um, that, that, you know, found out that, you know, Kassil is is the man who, who had him killed for whatever reason, probably for outing him for being gay. And, um, and Azim set him up, and the murder happened. They they find out who it is. They they go back to Azim, and Azim is terrified of both families. He goes to Simone, says that he's been found out. They want to know who who ordered the hit, who killed him, how this happened, and. Armin Mueller-Stahl says, you know, well, you tell them that you need two days and you tell them who did it. You need two days and we're going to take care of this. You give him Kirill. And we think, wow, he just gave up his own son. And but the, the backstory is, is that, you know, right after that, Vigo, for lack of a better word, is made. He's become a made man in the, in the Russian mob. He's he's um, given his stars. Um, Azim takes him to a, um, to a steam bath 
to discuss business for some reason, but it turns out that it was a complete setup, and that that's why we see the two brothers attack him in the steam bath. Uh, Simone Armour Miller-Stahl had set Vigo up to be his son because they have no idea what Kirill looks like. They have no idea what Nikolai looks like, and back we go to the tattoos. They are identified by the tattoos. Uh, Kirill has had his stars over his chest since birth. Um, he had to make sure that Vigo had those stars so the mobsters that were the, the brothers of the original mobster that was killed would identify him as the man, as uh, Kirill, and that they had avenged his death. Right. Absolutely. And we get into, you know, like I said, this is a, and you've said it as well, this is a very graphic, uh, very yeah. uh, unnerving scene. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, for the linoleum uh, cutters uh, come out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's, this is a scene that is going to be difficult to watch for, you know, for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, Vigo is essentially, or Nikolai should say, is essentially as vulnerable as you could possibly get in this scene. He basically has no apparel other than the towel that's on his head. <laughs> and uh, you know, these, these two gangsters <laughs> come in, and exactly, literally, and these two gangsters come in, and this is a a, a brutal fight scene. You see, uh, one of them, uh, you know, slashes his chest, and you know, Nikolai is is doing the best he can to stay alive. He's mortally wounded at, you know, well, I shouldn't say mortally wounded, but he's nearly mortally. wounded. Wounded, um, at the number of times in the scene and um, you know really has to utilize just what they have in terms of the the weapons that are used and the knives he's able to overpower them but at a very very steep cost for for his health he is very very badly wounded at the end of the scene um, you know there is the you know obviously where he smashes his head on the on the blade and right. um, you know then the, the the stabbing through the eye which finally is is able to uh, to to end the scene uh but he is he is very very seriously wounded as a result of this um literally and figuratively uh, i think it really it just it absolutely uh is the the crescendo of the scene and that's where i think it really of the movie i should say and that's where the scene starts to uh transition into leading toward a resolution that not a lot of people have seen um, right. And after this brutal scene, you see um, Anna at the hospital. Uh, and this is a little bit after, uh, you know, and you see Nikolai being carted down the hall and he is very, you know, very, very severely wounded. And she enters his room and she asks if she knows where his uncle is. Or where, she asks if he knows where her uncle is. And, right. and uh, you know, uh, she doesn't turn up soon, you know, she'll get the authorities involved and, you know, and, and Nikolai, you know, reveals that he was sent by Simone to kill Stefan, but he didn't. And he tells her that he sent her to Edinburgh and set him up in a hotel. And that's where I think it starts to translate into the next level of what is, is going to, uh, to happen in the, uh, right. in the movie where the police inspector who found Soika's body arrives at the hospital to privately talk with Nikolai. And you alluded to this earlier, my friend, about a yep. twist that nobody saw coming. Um, we're about to get into one of the bigger twists of the movie. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, have the, uh, the big reveal, my friend. Uh, this oh, was, uh, thank you. This was one that, this was one that kind of raises the eyebrow a little bit a la the rock and just go, huh? <laughs> what was that? Well, you know, it's, it's almost like one of those where you want to kind of play it back and make sure that you heard it correctly. Uh, yeah. Take it away, my friend. 
Yeah, Donald Sumter, who plays the um, who who plays the uh, the um, Scotland Yard police chief, I believe. Um, he uh, he comes in and he talks to him, and and they they walk outside, and and they're they're discussing um, the background of 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 what we've been talking about since then, and we find out that that Vigo is is uh, i don't want to say an informant uh he yeah. is a an agent of the russian desk at scotland yard um this is All somebody right. it turns out that that yes he did grow up exactly the way he had uh he did spend time in prison he did ha he did have all these terrible things happen to him and he's done terrible things throughout his life but somehow some way he was shown that, you know, as we said before, good people who were forced into doing bad things, he sees a way out. And the way out is to become a um, an investigator. And he is investigating the Russian mafia in um, in London. He works for Scotland Yard. Uh, and this this really did. It, it blew me away. I don't know about you. Yeah, really, it truly did, and I think the, uh, the the dialogue here and the reveals just go into just how deeply, um, you know, and how fine the line is between mm -hmm. good and evil, and how fine the line is between a life of crime and a life of of service. I think there's so much here that that happened where the inspector, you know, tells him that you know Scotland Yard, the KGB, that they're not happy with how Nikolai's handling his job. He right. sees the star tattoos, and he's like, I think you went a little too far here. I think you went a little too far undercover. And Nikolai's reassuring him, no, everything's fine. I can even become yep. the head of these, you know, Russian thieves in law, this 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 crew in London. And, that, you know, the inspector kind of balks at the idea. He really, I think... Uh, well, they want to pull him out. I mean, the, exactly, the things that he's yeah. done, it's it's just like, yep. look, you are still committing crimes. We cannot have this. This is not what you, you were supposed to be the driver and pick up things. And yep. then he reveals his stars and he's like, if you pull me out now, these are wasted. Right. Um, and, and, exactly. he should, and, and you could see the look on the inspector's face that, oh, my God, where where are we going here? Where exactly are we going here? And um and. Uh, it, it's just amazing that that still he has um uh what what's the word I'm looking for? He has rationalized the crimes that he's still committing because you know he's committing them against awful people while he's sending exactly. Stefan up to Edinburgh to get him away from it. The the people that he's committing crimes against are. You know the other mob families, and and that, it, to his mind, and to a lot of minds, and a lot of uh, a lot of of gangster flicks, um, is okay because the people that get really hurt are other crime family members, or, or members of other crime families, and um and that's that's probably the only, you know, morality that these people have to fall back on, is the fact that you know, yeah, but the the people who get killed for the most part, or the people that I'm killing for the most part, are other criminals. And it, it's yeah. just, it, it's fantastic. You didn't see the reveal coming at all. Um, right up to the end of this movie, nobody else except these two know that he is a member of Scotland Yard. And it, it's really fantastic the way 
you know, he keeps his cover through crime. Yeah, it's true. It really, really is. And, you know, and, and Nikolai, I think, in a lot of ways at this point starts to, you know, like you said, show that there's a way out of this life for him. And this is the way that he knows how to do it. And yes, maybe he's gone. And he probably acknowledges, and I think if you probably did a character study on him, he probably acknowledged that the inspector is right, that he did go a little too far undercover. But right. he's rationalizing that, like you said, and saying, well, it doesn't matter because all we have to do is arrest, is arrest Simone because he's the one that raped the 14-year-old girl. He's the one that raped right. Tatiana. Since she's dead, she can't testify, but they can prove that Simone is the father of the baby through a blood test. So... You know, at this point, he's dug his nails in. He has really, you know, dug his, I should say, dug his heels in <laughs> and really, yep. uh, you know, you know, taken a stand. And this is exactly what he's going to do. He's, again, he's not going to give up. He's going to stay with it. And he wants to stay in because every sacrifice that he's made has led to this moment. And this is exactly what he's looking for. And it also, you know, not just because it's a sense of accomplishment, but it's his way out. And that's, you know, so he's looking for a double way to uh, to really uh, accomplish his goal. And it is. As you know, as as the the reveal now has been made, and now it's really it's it's you know up to the the point where the climax really starts to build. And you know, we see Kirill, he's you know he's inflating balloons for another party, and he noticed the little girl staring at him. Um, she asked him if he fought with Simone last night because she could hear some shouting and some some banging. And Kirill kind of quips at her and says, it's not a fight if one of them doesn't fight back. And, right. you know, he said that he was upset about Nikolai's attack. And then Kirill notices several police officers arriving outside the restaurant and he sees this on the security monitor and he tells the girl to go upstairs and he just, he knows something is not, you know, right here. And, once the, uh, the the cops then go ahead and leave, Kirill, you know, sees Simone and, you know, he wants to know what the cops wanted with him. And they took a blood sample from his arm and Kirill asked him why they would want that. And now the audience is starting to be clued in a little bit on what's going on. But these characters don't know it yet. So it's very right. it's interesting to see how this is, you know, progressing and, and, and progressing along. And now we're getting up to the real crescendo of, uh, um, of the movie. And, uh, you know, I know we're up against it uh, uh, in terms of uh, time, but uh, essentially cut to Anna and Anna, you know, is getting off work and she sees Kirill in a closing elevator holding a gym bag. She rushes to the baby ward and she finds flowers in, in place. She finds flowers there in place of Christine. And Christine is the, uh, the, the little, uh, baby that, uh, that was, um, you know, essentially Tatiana's baby. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So Anna bumps Nikolai again and harshly demands to know where Kirill took the baby. And he, you know, responds that he doesn't know. And so they both head out in search of Kirill, who goes back to the waterfront where Soika's body was dumped. The <laughs> only place that he would bag. know to get rid of something. Absolutely. Yep. And he picks up the gym bag, and inside the gym bag is Christine, the young little baby. And he sits, he's sitting by the water, and he just, I think in a moment of really, really of clarity. Uh, brilliant acting and yeah, just it really a was of clarity and really i think just a breakdown in terms of the character emotion holding on to these emotions all yeah. of the uh, uh the movie he weeps and he's crying and asking for forgiveness 
and he's about to throw Christine in the river, and Nikolai and Anna arrive. And Nikolai yeah. tells Kirill that Simone has gone too far. They don't kill babies. This is not something this. that, you know, this, this is, is not, not something, something that we, yeah, absolutely. And he and gets Kirill to. Right. He, yeah, he, he gets Kirill to Kirill give him the baby yeah, and an give up yep. his, his, his father. And, yep, and he, absolutely. He, he says, you have to make a choice now. Are you with your father or are you with me? Right. Okay. Exactly. And 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 Kirill makes the 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 right decision. He he he, yeah. he he gives the baby back. He he knows that this isn't something. I mean, he he can go far and and he can kill other gangsters and he can you know try to keep his his persona going. But I mean, to kill a baby and to, of of you know it, it's it's he he's he's fine with 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 prostitution and he's he's fine with with um with smuggling of, of, of rare wine and he's fine of this, that, and the other, but this is just a point that he, this is a line that he won't cross. And yes, he's given up his own father and pledged himself to, to Nikolai and said, you're right. It, it has to be different. And even to this point and beyond Kirill has no idea, even when he says that, you know, are you with me or are you with your father, that, that uh, Nikolai is actually a part of Scotland Yard. Nobody, even at the end of this movie, nobody knows. And and from here, um, we, we can assume that Simone went to prison for the rest of his life for the rape of this young 14-year-old girl. And then we cut back to, uh, well, there's you know, a scene with Naomi and Vigo after Kirill has left, you know, to, to do what he does, to go and drink away the pain. Um, right. And, and you know, she's still trying to understand who are you. And he just, he, he, he can't tell her. He can't let her in. And we, we cut to the scene with Vigo back in the same restaurant with his, right. um, his beads uh, with his worry beads and he's flipping them the way he has the entire movie. And we mm -hmm. understand that what he told, uh, Scotland Yard has happened. He is now the head of this Russian mob family in London. We, yeah, again, absolutely. Cut, yeah, we again cut to, to, um, Anna's home. Um, his, her, her mother's there. Her uncle is there cause now he can come back safely. Um, and um, we see the baby. Young Christina is, is there. She has adopted him and uh, adopted her. And um, this child has a life. Nikolai's um, mission was accomplished to save this little girl and to save the, the rest of that family. He is, in his mind, he has done the good that he needs to do. And now it's just on to the next step. It, it, it right. was a, a brilliant film. It is. It, it, it's a brilliant ending, too, because it really allows you to draw your own conclusion as to, in terms of what's going to happen. Is Nikolai eventually going to break down? Does he have feelings for Anna that someday are going to come back to haunt him? You almost mm -hmm. get the impression that he's very conflicted. And I love uh, some of the final shots in this film of, like you said, um, Nikolai flipping the, uh, um, uh, the worry beads and basically doing exactly what he had done the whole time around. These are very, very um, interesting times that 
you see these characters live with. And there is a little bit of a happy ending, if you want to say that, with, you know, with Christine and, uh, and, and her now being adopted by Anna and, and Helen and Stefan, you know, are, are back and they're fixing lunch and they really, they become, you know, a, a family once again. And, you know, this character, this Nikolai character now is, you know, it's, it's on to the next, you know, phase. And I think right. an initial, uh, something very interesting is I think the, one of the big reasons why they ended this the way they did, uh, there were actually plans for a, uh, a sequel to this. And were it would have been interesting to see what, yeah, there were. And they wow. never came to fruition. And, you know, I'm a little Good. bit disappointed in that. Because, Are you? I mean, no, you know, see, I think it's fantastic that they didn't. I think yeah. it's great that they didn't. But no, share your, why, why you, you know, why you're disappointed. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, and, and it's, it's good that we do have that, you know, dialogue and whatnot. I think it's great for the story and it's great for the legacy of this movie because it does give you that uncertainty of what happens. It allows you to recreate the story in your own, in your own mind. Right. And I think that to me is the most brilliant part of it. I think so often because sequels sometimes are unfulfilling, I can completely understand where you're coming from. Right. In this movie and knowing that they wanted to go in and possibly do a sequel to this it was disappointing for me because i'm like there were so many directions they could have gone in i just want to know what cronenberg would have done you know right. if he decided to continue these characters which would come back for a uh, for a sequel how would they do this uh would you know uh nikolai's character be in a completely different world and leave the world of anna and christine and helen and Stefan behind or would they somehow in, you know intertwine or whatnot but it does. Yeah, I think it, I can see the argument for both sides. I definitely can. So, right. Um, so can I. You know, with yeah, with with a movie like this, I thought that uh, um, really, like I said, this was a pleasant surprise for me. Uh, I had actually, um, you know, forgotten about the not forgotten about the movie, but I had actually forgotten about how this movie can tie into, uh, you know, not only the mob genre but still, um, you know, the area of organized crime and also the area of of a. You know, a, a police type drama as well. Right. With, uh, you know, him working with Scotland Yard and MI5. So definitely a, a, a breath of fresh air in terms of uh, um, in, in terms of symbolism here and in terms of just character development. Uh, really, really a superior film. It really was. It really was. I, there are so many scenes in this movie that that leave you um, awestruck uh, from the opening with, with the murder um to um to uh uh Vigo being inducted into the uh the Russian mafia in front of the little you know the the group that that makes him get, it's mm -hmm. the 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 steam room scene and and of course the ending which is you know it's it's not often in in a mob movie that you actually get a happy ending <laughs> but yep, this is about as true. close to it as you get and um uh, and that brings us up to the end of our show today, folks. Uh, we want to thank you for, for tuning in. It, the, the show is, is really taking off. We're really enjoying doing it. We'll be back in a week or two with, with another episode of, of the Shays Bippy Modcast, Mob Pod, the, the podcast that you can't refuse. Thank you so much for being here. For Mike Diabate, I am Thomas Murphy, and the bar is closed until then, folks. <laughs>